Hello, and welcome to the 25th episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo, brought to you by Helix Throws. I'm your host, Ross Levine, and today's guest is Mike Monty. You know him. Viewer discretion is advised. Today's episode does contain discussions of mental health issues, suicide, things that could trigger some viewers and may not be suitable for other viewers. So proceed with caution and knowing that. It's a really good episode, a really good conversation, but you do need to know that going into it. It does lighten up towards the end, just so you know. It's a really interesting conversation with a very interesting person who I look up to a lot. And one thing I want to add is there's some editing that was done in this episode at Mike's request. And so if there's some continuity errors, things that seem like Maybe something I referenced that you didn't hear earlier. It's just because things were edited out at Mike's request. For reasons that you don't need to know. But I can't wait for you to hear this episode because, man, it, it was just, I think, a really important conversation to have. So, enjoy. Yeah, I am... Um, for. For all intents and purposes, for the future thinking of the past, you and I have talked about recording a podcast at some point. Yeah. And my personal anxiety has gotten in the way of that. So if anything comes out of this and anyone sees this in the future, you can get through your anxiety too. I mean, I think mental health in yo-yoing is so relevant because... It's like yo-yoing is like meditation. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I mean, like there's so many autistic people and people like I've got ADD, I've got <laughs> like anxiety and stuff. I think it's something that that affects a lot of people. There's a lot of like depression in the community. I think it's a, uh, right. something that just doesn't get talked about in in a lot of communities. It's getting more talked about lately, so. Yeah, the self-isolation has really prompted people thinking about mental health, but in the yo-yo community in general, I mean, we see a suicide once a year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been in interviews before where that gets edited out. Mm -hmm. and I, don't, I don't think that should be edited out. No, that's... I think people should be aware of the fact that some of us are really depressed. <laughs> yeah. No, completely. And I mean, this is up to you because we don't actually have to publish this. But <laughs> I've been in three interviews so far where, where I've mentioned yo-yoers who have passed away and it's been clipped. That, <laughs> Mike, this show doesn't get clipped. <laughs> This is not that kind of show. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't want to put people on blast. Yeah. They did it because of, I mean, you don't want to be morbid. It, 
for them it was like their first podcast and I'm Mr. Morbid and I'm going to come out here and tell you how it is. So I I talked about my experience in the, in reality Mm. and that stuff got clipped, but otherwise generally what you talk about in interviews stays in people want to hear about like the contests you went to and the things you learned and the people you learned tricks from and that kind of stuff. I I've tried I've gone through a few times and listened to a few interviews. I listened to you talking to um, who's the skateboarder you were from TikTok. Um, oh, not really Ty. Ty Goldman. I can't no big Ty. Ty. Yeah. 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 I like I. I listened to his interview with you, and I was like, man, yeah, I can really think of all the things we went through on TikTok and like people showing up and being like, holy shit, we're famous all of a sudden. And then that going away. I've, I've listened, I've listened to some of your interviews and there's a lot more that I definitely need to listen to. I got caught in a weird phase where you started doing a lot of the things that I would really want to, uh, consume and enjoy uh-huh. all that kind of stuff like I think the average yo-yoer would really love to know about the history of various yo-yoers that were competitive while like within the last 10 to 15 years and then I got hit with like crazy depression and like weird ego shit like I was getting jealous of other yo-yoers for getting popular yeah. when I've already had my day in the sun, you know? Yeah. It, it's been a really weird two years for me. And getting through it, like, that's why I backed out of my interview. Because I'm like, I'm going to say something fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm going to say something that I'll regret. That won't help anyone that wants to learn how to yo-yo. I... I wouldn't allow it. I think I think everything that gets said because I the best feedback I've gotten about this podcast is that people want to hear just a conversation between yo-yoers and like that's why I don't like clipping things. That's why I kind of like having an improvisational vibe. And even now, like I used to do pre-interviews where I'd like plan out all the questions, and I'm starting to ditch that too because I just want to like talk to people. And I mean, you you know as well as I do because conversation is fun. Yeah, the conversations, that's that's what people care about is, is is like the thoughts of these people instead of like, this is how you get 10 clicks in two seconds. Like that stuff totally beside the point. It's the spontaneity. Yeah. It's the spontaneity. It's like you and I just sitting here and thinking up something random and connecting on something. Like I still remember the day you and I bumped into each other at nationals and you were like, oh, holy shit. And that was like the first time anyone had ever been shocked to be near me. Really? So like that was special for me too. That's amazing. <laughs> like, like it was special. I, I don't know if it was special for you, but you acted like it was special for you. Completely. And it it always stuck out to me because it was like, holy shit, someone actually cares that I care about them. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I knew your name and I said, hey, Ross, so-and-so said you wanted to talk to me and you 
you did the thing like when I first met Dr. Popular and I was scared to meet Dr. Popular and I was like, uh, could you do a trick? Because I don't know what to say to you. you. You did something similar to that where it was like, holy shit, I don't know what to say. Why is Mike Money talking to me or whatever? Like, yeah. I don't want to let my ego crazy, but it felt like a, a kindred moment. And it made me realize that this stuff that I really very easily take for granted that maybe Steve Brown and Chris Neff and Jack Rinka, Takeshi Komisato and Shinji, you know, all the guys, uh-huh. they'll probably take that feeling for granted. At this point. And especially once they've won eight world titles. Yeah. I've never won a world title. So, like, that stands out for me. Yeah. But you were, you you had the forte. And I, I think I won a forte, and I totally forget how. And I remember playing with that and being, like, feeling like I had a little bit of your stuff. Because you've always posted so much content. And you always post such original stuff. And it's always so inspiring, like, that you're just able to put out video after video after video and i know at least in college i i for like a year was trying to do a video every single day and that's why is because i knew that it was possible because you were able to do that and it put me into that mindset of like it's not a make the trick that's good game it's a make a trick because you need to make a trick game like you just need to keep making stuff and making stuff and so that that innovation i think is something of just like throwing, just making, just producing and producing and producing. And it's always so consistent. Yeah. It's always so good. It's always so brand, well-branded too. I've always loved your stuff so much. Thank you. Do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all? Yeah. I I, I follow people who listen to him, a, a lot of them. Uh, probably the closest. A lot of, a lot of the work ethic quote-unquote work ethic comes from that yeah the this idea that do you really want this do you really want people to look up to you and respect you and think that you deserve whatever podium it is that you think you're trying to stand on and if so put your fucking ass out there on a daily basis and work your ass off. And like, yeah, I went through that. Like you saw everybody in this industry saw me working my butt off to put my name out there to put a trick out. I put out five tricks on a daily basis for probably a year and a half <laughs> because I listened to some quote of Gary Vee and thought about, him talking to musicians and saying look you put out a song a day and at some point something's gonna hit and that's gonna be the song that makes you famous and i was thinking yo-yo tricks are kind of like songs you kind of compose them like songs you choreograph them the songs why can't i do it with a yo-yo trick yeah so i just started posting x amount of tricks a day I got some feedback on TikTok. My TikTok blew up. It went from a thousand. I went from three hundred 
followers to almost 50,000 followers in a short order of time. Wow. And that was after I noticed Rob Kitts was on there, who was like this old school yo-yoer, who was like someone that I thought was a legend. I still think he's a legend. Yeah. He was the 2A guy. Uh-huh. He went to nationals and Rob Kitts was the guy that was getting somewhere between fifth and second consistently. I don't know why he never really got first. Patrick Mitchell always seemed to get it. <laughs> or maybe uh, um, there was a Japanese player who would come over from time to time. Maybe John Ando or someone like John Ando. And they just always got first place. Yeah. And he never really got it. But Rob Kitts showed up on TikTok and he was stomping it. He was working with someone named... I'm trying to think of something cat. It was like uh it, it would be as if Marshmallow or Logic wanted to make a music video with you, something cat. I see. And they were they were pretty popular on TikTok when he got popular on TikTok. And so I was looking to him thinking, okay, he's just doing like gyro flops and uh laceration and stuff i can do that so i did that with slow motion and my account went from the thousand to fifty thousand and then normal yo-yoers who actually know shit showed up yeah <laughs> and they went from fifty thousand to a million <laughs> like fast and angelo and brandon and yeah angelo him and i would chit chat for a while and i asked him like does this stuff scare you like when i hit forty thousand, i had a panic attack yeah. and it was like i had read articles about a video game let's player in texas that i was a fan of uh gavin free and meg turney they make like minecraft let's plays and um i can't think of the name fall guy the thing where you jump over stuff obstacles and all that crap like they just do group video game let's plays and one of their fans went psychopath and decided to track them down and wanted to kill them like wanted to kill gavin because he was in love with meg showed up at their house went through the house in the closet like you know the stuff that you hear about on tv but it's someone that you are a fan of so it like hits home for you and you're thinking i kind of want to be famous online i don't want that to happen to me yeah (laughs) i don't want a psychopath to show up in my house i've got kids now yeah (laughs) so like that's about the time you asked for an interview ah and I was like, yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. I, I'm starting a company. I need to do interviews. I need to talk to people. I need to tell people about what I'm working on. I really don't fucking want to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, oh, and then it was just like, I didn't want to talk to anyone. No, I got you. Because no. I read that article. 
and the war in Ukraine started. Oh, yeah. Man, it gets... It's stressful times. It's seriously so stressful. Like, when I started yo-yoing, Steve mm -hmm. Brown, Chris Neff, Takeshi Comisado, Ignitus, Jack Rinka, um, Ben McPhee, like, Augie Fash, I had my legends. These were people, as a teenager, I could look up to. Like, I'm sorry that I can't really talk without being upset. I don't know. I haven't been talking to anyone. So maybe we just have to type this out to talk about it. It really bothers me that I can't be what my legends were for me for the next generation. Because I fully understand that I could pull my shit together, make up a repertoire of tricks, win a contest, be a legend, write some fucking thing that everybody buys into and thinks is the next, this is what yo-yoing is. But... We're, we're dealing with wars. We're dealing with existential crisis. We're dealing with, do I really want to dedicate my life to you? I mean, yeah. It's such a tough place. <laughs> like, I could think of, I could pay someone to teach me mathematics. I could pay someone to teach me how to program. And I could make a difference. Yeah. Or I could really focus on yo-yoing and I could really help a lot of kids. I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to not feel noticed. So I could really connect with a lot of kids that are learning the hobby. Like this is why I don't really want to publish this stuff. Oh, but yeah. a number of us have watched Nathan DeWitt get shot, watched AJ Kirk kill themselves, watched other people die, and think, I really could have talked to them more. Yeah. And then think, Okay, there's a whole bunch of teenagers right now that have no clue about those guys. Yeah. They didn't have to, they didn't get to know them. They didn't go to nationals. They didn't see AJ in person. They didn't see his girlfriend make his life hell. My ex-wife did that to me. So, there's people like me. There's people like Zami. People who have felt this weird 
depressed emptiness that could really connect with some of these kids that come to Yoyoing to feel noticed. And I'm, I'm afraid that I won't be ready when one of those kids needs it because I'm at my life point where I'm at right now. I'm going through this shit that I'm going through right now. What do you think readiness looks like? I don't think it's... Readiness is like this pipe dream. Uh You're You're never ready for reality. Reality shows up and you deal with it. Um, we were going to miscarriage my daughter and I had to tell my boss that I can't come to work anymore and we started living in a hospital and I got fired My daughter was born. My father-in-law, his cancer got worse. And my daughter's mother wanted to separate me because she thought she was going to get property and didn't want to share it with me. So (laughs) I have this really weird thing where I want to help people who have gone through fucked up situations and I'm still trying to recover from my own. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I've moved in with my parents. My kids live in the other room. In my bedroom, childhood bedroom, that I've recorded most of my yo-yo tutorials in. So, like, you get why I wanted to back out of the interview. No, I get you. Like, it's not that I don't want to sit here and have some tears on camera. It's not that I don't want to be real for the rest of the IOWers that are going through shit. Because I know there are plenty of IOWers that are going through worse stuff than me. I know. I've talked to IOWers that are going through worse things than me that have asked me in an almost begging fashion not to talk about their situation because they don't want their exes to know that they have talked about it. And I get it. Mm-hmm. It's our little community. It, for me, has become quite emotional. Um, it's become painful to talk about for me. But one second. <laughs> but the thing about the yoing community, as painful as I want to think it is, or whatever, since I was twelve, since I joined this community in two thousand two, you could say, "Hey." I'm going to come to this city. Could anybody house me? Could I sleep on your couch? I need somewhere to stay. 
can someone help me out? And since then, and until now, you can travel the planet and you can hang out with a fellow UAOR. It doesn't matter if your life's falling apart. I, I think one thing that does tie into yo-yoing. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my hardest work ever right here. You ready? Uh, what you were saying about um about oh god, I just have contests starred on my iPad, and I I know you were talking about something with um oh oh yeah that you can't. I think that the way that the contest scene is set up is against people like you and like Zami and like so many other yo-yoers who are just incredible but can never get recognition because it's just it's not designed to foster community and it's not designed for inspiring the next generation it's all designed yeah. by yo-yo factory and duncan to sell yo-yos well <laughs> that's what it's made i don't want to I don't want to cast super blame on the companies trying to commercialize the industry because commercializing the industry does give us it supports the industry filter fish the ability to make some side money mm -hmm. um, my main thing with yo-yo factory I don't have negative things against Stereo Factory. I think they did a lot of really great stuff. I really wish that they would have focused more on the Fast 201 promotion because I think that would have onboarded so many more yours. Like that was a really great, an amazing promotion to present to noobs and be like, look, here's a basic area. Throw it down, comes back. Throw it down and don't yank. It spins for a long time, like 10, 15 seconds. Perfect. Here's 10 tricks you can do with it. You do them the fastest, we're going to give you this $100 yo-yo. Like, that was an amazing onboarding opportunity that we just fucking... I don't know. I know that you've worked with people that do... You, you've worked with financing. You've worked with entrepreneurs that think about how you scale businesses and that kind of thing. Like that's, that's something that I somehow became aware of about you. I saw you working with a entrepreneur think tank group at some point. Yeah, a long time ago. You get that if you have a really good idea, you stick with it. Yeah. And you hammer it and you make it work. Yeah. The Fast 201 challenge was the next yo-yo boom, and it just faded by. That's I don't how, know. That's how Evan Nagao's dad made millions of dollars. He had a good yeah. idea on how to induct a bunch of yo-yoers. He stuck with it, which was it was basically a trick list, like the yo-yo yes. trick list, but on paper. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peep, everybody, look the only thing any of us humans want is validation from our peers. Yeah. You come up with 25 tricks and you say, look, you do these perfectly and I'll give you a badge. People will line up for it. Yeah. And it's not us yoyers. It's not just us yoyers. Humans in general really want validation. 
I like to think that we could use yo-yoing to help with that. I like to think that we could use yo-yoing to teach leadership and all that kind of stuff. So let me throw an example out here, which is, oh God, we got to come back to that. There's one thing we have to come back to. Let me write it. Um, in juggling, everybody's first juggling ball set, do you know what it is? I don't know the terms for it, but I'm sure I've done it. It's the, no, the, it, the, the, the klutz book of juggling is all I'm getting at. It's the, I've had the book. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's got that book. Everyone's got the balls. Um, it's I've like had the scarves that that's what it is. That's what it is. Oh man. It's not even balls. It's scarves. Um, balls don't fit in the book. It's slow. You throw it up and it yeah. goes down slowly and you can do the thing. So that's how all the jugglers start. They get the scarves and then eventually they get the bean bags. It's all through Klutz at that point. And then maybe they get Klutz is the book publisher, you know, um, then maybe eventually they get a nice set. And I think, but at that point, like when you go to a, a juggling convention, there's just, they've got the same vendors, but it's not the same sales push that exists at yo-yoing where like mm-hmm. there's sponsorships and there's kids getting sponsored at age 12 because they might be the next world champion. And then those 12, I don't do them on purpose. <laughs> so much, there's so much free labor that's, that gets done by these like literal kids, like <laughs> for these yo-yo companies that make all this money all right. for kids. Like that's the part that kind of messes with me that that like, other industries don't seem to have an issue with because they have million. proper legal departments that yeah. shield them from fucking up. Yeah. I I remember distinctly reach, reaching out to a parent of a girl. I think I I sent a message to them because somehow they had like linked to their parents' account and they had been liking my videos. And I thought, you know, here's a person that definitely deserves a reward. They, they like my videos. They comment on the videos. They talk about the stuff. I should send them a yo-yo. I should ask their parents if that's okay. <laughs> so I find their parents' page and I ask them if that's okay. And I find out that's not normal. People don't normally ask for permission. <laughs> I'm like, oh, huh. Okay, well, that's my, uh, that's my strategic advantage, I guess. <laughs> I'm just going to ask permission. People don't care about parents and they don't care about family and they don't care about security. Like I, at the beginning of this, have told you that I'm afraid of this idea of like someone invading my house and compromising my family's security and making it dangerous for me to be here. Like that's my fear. Yeah. That's what I think of when I reach out to parents and go, can I send your kid a yo-yo? Would that be okay? Oh, I get that. Because because when I send them a yo-yo, there's a a group of people that think that should have been for me. That's not for that kid. They don't deserve that. They didn't even fall in mic for that long. And they get hostile towards them. And then I have to worry about those kids. Yeah. There's jealousy. So like 
and all that stuff to contend with. There's weird stuff like that that I think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of it. There's a whole host of reasons why I'm afraid to be public about any of this and why I just am like, just look at the tricks I'm boasting and accept that because I don't want to deal with drama. I just want to post cool tricks and have people think I'm doing cool tricks. You do very cool tricks. I try. I I love your tricks so much. Like, like some of the most consistent innovation of almost anyone and also such a broad range of like Slack and tech and flow and just such a good combination and just the, the quantity of it is insane. I, I, I can't really think of a more prolific yo-yoer in terms of quantity of original and different tricks. Frederico something. Frederico. The only one that I know, he was a Caribou Lodge Yo-Yo Works sponsored player. Ricardo Ferrolini? Yes. And he got like the Trick Innovator of the Year Award in like maybe 2012. Um, He posted tricks almost daily. And when I when I heard Gary V talking about musicians, put a song a day out. Like, you don't know what your audience is going to like. Put a song a day out. I thought immediately of him. And I thought, I could trick a day out. I'm going to make shit up. I'm going to make shit up. <laughs> Why not? And then people started liking it. And then I was like, hmm, what do you do with this? Yeah. <laughs> like, do I make tutorials and start teaching people my stuff? Because there's no names for these techniques. So now I have to, like, come up with names of stuff or sound like an idiot trying to re to make up names for things that already have names mm. it's a really weird middle ground and trying to navigate i i've gotten to a point where my ego has kind of given up on like i want to win worlds or i want to win nationals like i'm i've given up on that and it's more of is there anything I can do to propel the next generation, but also still be remembered? Like, I'm trying to look for those kind of things, mm-hmm. if anything. I don't think, I don't know if there really are any of those, because I think of Bob Maloney and Thad Winden and any of the contest organizers from our past. And I'm like, okay, well, I remember them because I organized contests and I was at their contest, but. I don't know why anyone else is going to remember them. Yeah. So I don't know why that would be the path that I would take, but I know that that's the right path. Like that's, you want to propel the industry. You want to help make it happen. You have to make some competition. You have to give people some reason to go against each other and win awards and all that stuff. Like that makes it fun. I, I don't see how any of the rest of us, find a way to get remembered though which i mean it's fine i mean maybe you do need to pay the piper on a daily basis and find a way to make yourself be remembered on a daily basis and i get that 
but Eminem doesn't really have to f- pay the piper for his recognition yeah. anymore. Like he's been around 20 years. I've been around 20 years. I don't know what else I can do to be, to stand out besides winning a contest. And then if you win a contest, you're expected to defend your title. And then it becomes like this whole stress thing. And like I, I just don't get it. I don't know what the path is to longevity without depression. Because nobody can always win. Mm-hmm. Not all of us can win. We can't all have the title. But we all really want recognition from our peers. It really makes you feel good when people go, wow, that was an awesome trick. Like that makes me feel great. <laughs> like when I I've spent hours working on a trick and I get feedback, that feels pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Winning a contest or placing, like I didn't even have to get top three. You could go on stage, come off stage, and people would be like, "Wow, that was an amazing performance," and that would sit with you for months. I don't really know how that gets extended to the rest of this moving forward. Uh, I don't really know how people are going to find satisfaction from it because I know that like yo-yoing has been this crazy thing where we always have wanted to grow and become this world-renowned hobby. Mm-hmm. And it's it's about to it's about to fucking go like you watch tiktok you watch instagram you watch any of these platforms and there are kids going crazy for these dna binds Mm. for gyroscopic flops for anything that looks esoteric in any way or difficult or speedy it's about to go fucking nuts Mm. whether the old guard likes it or not It doesn't matter if any of us run a contest or create badges for the tricks that you've completed. The kids on TikTok and the kids on Instagram, the kids on YouTube and whatever platform comes from here on out are going to come up with their own things and they're going to destroy us. (laughs) Like they're going to come up with their own I don't even know what it would be like a belt system for martial arts for yo-yo tricks. And they're just going to move on without us because that's what we always wanted. And we never did. We, we thought we were uh, inventing yo-yo tricks and really we were just digging our own grave (laughs) to be filled by the next generation. Oh man. It's the whole, that quote of turtles all the way down. We're just building the next ramp. We're just setting the next platform for the next generation. And I'm happy to have made a couple of wrist mount tricks and I don't know what else I did, but it's impossible to imagine whatever I've contributed to the next generation. If you think about like they're doing speed combos and mostly things that I don't do. Like it's hard to imagine them doing things I would do. But give I like them a little bit more time to mature 
and yeah. start realizing it's because we all started watching i mean at least in my generation i started watching hiroyuki suzuki and i went i want to be him i want to be fast i want to be precise and i want to go so clean exactly to the music at such a ridiculously high speed that everyone just goes yay and then after a while now my style is way closer to like i don't know i can't even think of a flow artist uh uh uh, Chris Kelly, for example, than um, than Hiroyuki Suzuki. I'm like way more poi based and super slow and very deliberate. And so, yeah, these kids are doing just DNA binds and Godspeed right now, but that's because that's all they've seen and they've only been yo-yoing for two years. And in a few more years, I think we're going to see a lot more shift into that more flowy Zach Gormley uh charles haycock kind of style as they realize there's a lot more to this toy than just and i think also your body of work unless instagram goes under which <laughs> facebook might be a little bit screwed but uh unless instagram goes under which i don't see it happening anytime soon and even if they do i'm sure there's a, gonna be some way to download your stuff before it goes away uh you now have a body of work that will be out until the end, end of Instagram. And in the same way that we go back and look at, uh, God, magicians look at books from a hundred years ago and 400 years the ago. Tarbell series. Yeah. You know, your shit, uh, discovery of witchcraft. That's from like 400 years ago. Uh, I've read the Royal road to magic, the Tarbell series. I've done a lot of card magic, coin magic, the Tarville books in general, a little oh, bit sorry. of, um, Bobo? what do you call it? Uh, mentalism. Mm -hmm. uh, there was an author that posted mentalism packets you could buy for a while there that I was buying, even though I would never use them. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, you, you hear about things and you think that could be interesting, that could be useful, and you buy them and you learn about them. And it's like, oh, that's great. You never actually do anything with it from that point on. Yeah. But I I dove into Tarbell. I went to the Epcot Center in Florida and I wandered off from my family and I bought two of the Tarbell books from the magician shop there at Epcot. Um I was showing them yo-yo tricks and stuff. They didn't care about that. But they sold me the Tarbell books. <laughs> so I read book one and two and I started learning about rope magic and palming and a lot of uh, Houdini. Like they talk about Houdini in the first book a lot, I feel like. And then I really got into Chris Angel and Mind Freak and all that junk and got stuck on that for a while. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly why I just dived off on that, but no, you made like, me think of it. <laughs> like I haven't no, thought yeah. about that. I mean, all I was getting years. at, is, all I'm getting at, is like your work is out there and published, and people are gonna be looking at it forever. And if you're scared of of a lack of notoriety or or oh god, I can't even think of the word of like you know your of legacy it's there people are going to have a a, a moment or a, a mori and a memento those are the two years right definitely memento um well memento mori the phrase apparently means remember you're gonna die like mm -hmm. hey you're gonna die one day do what you can while you can yeah which is why i was like 
I want to make the memento. I want to make the Mori. I'm going to die one day. Why not just name them that? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the those are going to last in people's cases, even after yeah. you die one day. <laughs> They'll be well, they're made of aluminum, so they better last a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Like, that's what I'm getting at is, is maybe there's not going to be a world champion Mike Mont, but there there will be all that work that you put out i mean same with that's why i love instagram is i have stuff from when from 2015 when i was in high school that i can look back and i can go wow i was still doing tricks back then and it's this cool yeah. like journaling almost that shows my progression through life and i've always loved looking back at that and i think other people might one day look back through that and see how the ideas that I'm doing now progress. And the same thing with you is people might go back and there might be someone who gets a PhD in Mike Montgomery's trick set. Yo-yo tricks. It could happen. There's people who've got PhDs in magic now. Well, there's like, I don't want to hope too much. I don't want to smoke too much hopium as far as I say, but <laughs> There are mathematicians who are insanely focused on like knot theory, yeah, and the different ways that knots can be put together up into like thousands to hundreds of thousands com of combinations that they're then feeding into AI systems to see how those could be used. Like, yoing could just be a bootloading way into finding a lot of cool combinations for those people. I'm thinking, okay, how do I get? how do i talk to those people <laughs> like how do i make my life's work actually mean something because otherwise i'm just making up tricks that are puzzles for other people which isn't awful i mean there's people out there that make sudoku and crossword puzzles and they come up with escape rooms and things and they create entertainment situations for people and those people are revered and worshipped and they they make life more entertaining for people so why can't i find some excitement in that too i don't know exactly what it is i think that there's this weird program in the back of my brain that's like okay but someone else could do this with the io and you should be doing something more significant and then i get really depressed this <laughs> is like yeah i get that there's other problems to work on but this is the one that i'm gifted at <laughs> yeah like i don't have to try to be good at yo-yoing i pick a i pick up a yo-yo i put it in my hand and the shit just flows yeah i can't pick up a pencil and do complicated mathematics i can't solve theorems or create theorems or create proofs i, I that's all beyond me. But because I know it is, this piece of my brain goes, that's what you really should be working for. You shouldn't be wasting your time on this toy. Have you seen the uh, Kurtzkazart video on optimistic nihilism? Kurtzkazart reminds me of an animation channel on youtube is that the one with the birds yes yeah uh, optimistic 
I might have to rewatch it. I probably have watched it. I might have to rewatch it. It's really good. I've watched a lot of their stuff. I remember, if I remember it correctly, it's basically, I mean, you know, nihilism is the, the concept of nothing mattering ultimately, but then the optimistic side is great. <laughs> nothing matters. You can do what you want. And That's so right. nothing matters. So yeah. nothing, so it doesn't matter that nothing matters. It's, it's do ultimate. whatever the hell you want. Yeah. It's the ultimate, which it only really works from an atheist perspective which luckily I have, and um, I think it's kind of a gift right. to be able to have that. Just like having a non-atheist perspective has a lot of gifts that come with it, like having automatic meaning to your life. But right. um, for me, Helios, I've compared to my religion multiple times that like, I think there's a lot of connections between a religious and an atheist perspective where a, a religious person would pray and a non-religious person might meditate. And there's like that connection yeah. there and, and everybody has their rituals. And for me, like my meditation and my prayer is the yo-yo is like the act of being in flow and yo-yoing. And I go and I pray at the altar of that yo-yo for however much time with some music playing mm -hmm. the same playlist I've been playing since I was, you know, so young. And it's that cool continuity throughout my life that's just like this connection and it's also a connection to something bigger which of course that exists in religion of course it can exist yeah. with the uh, atheists if you're like doing science that's sort of your contribution to something bigger and with yo-yoing it's the it's the creation of something new and i think you've absolutely done that just from from my point of view like you you totally gone and put your 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 penny in the wishing well of the of the of the yo-yo community you've added onto that pile and you become one of the giants that someone else is gonna stand on your shoulders and 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 uh when they're on that world stage if that ever happens they're they'll they'll be thinking of of that one trick that they learned from you that made it all click for them yeah or that sense of perseverance that you had that inspired them to keep going it's a weird, it's a weird um, overall situation. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like you've always wanted that particular limelight and you finally realized might not be for you, might not have been written in fate for you. Mm-hmm which really starts to screw with you because then as an atheist you're like i thought fate wasn't real mm. there, there's certain things that your character is more predestined it's not even predestination it's literally you are a character and your character is going to react to certain stimuli in certain ways those stimuli present themselves over time and eventually your character expresses itself as it should to those stimuli over time in a condensed way that dictates the character that everyone else perceives as that entity from all of the actions that is done from that point forward. Mm -hmm. No one else in the yo-yo community gives a flying fuck about this shit, but that's like that's stuck in my brain for the last since i started joining the yoga community since 2003 and since all the, 
Say it in, say what you just said in even simpler terms, because that sounds important. Because you said you've been thinking about it since like, since you started. If, if you were talking to a five-year-old, what would you tell them? Okay. If I could start over, when I started yo-yoing, Mm -hmm. I read the back of a Duncan Imperial or Butterfly packet and it talked about how you could submit a video to become sponsored and I was probably 12 or 13 when I read that and I thought this is how this is how I become this is how I get recognition this is how people start caring about me um, like a lot of children at my age at 12 and 13 like a lot of children, my parents were working out of town. They drove half an hour to an hour to go work their jobs in an office. And so I'm sitting at home, relatively alone, wanting to impress anybody that will ever see me. And I discover yo-yoing, and I discover these tricks, and I start trying to learn them. And when I finally learn them, my parents come home from work i'm like hey mom check out this trick <laughs> you gotta see this trick i just spent all day learning it and maybe i just had a lucky phase where i just never really had enough recognition for what i was working on so i always just pushed myself further but i never stopped i've always been up to learning tricks I've always been trying to learn the harder tricks, the lacerations, one extra loop landed around my head. You see that thing that that guy from Japan did? I'm going to do it better and I'm going to make him regret that he ever posted it. <laughs> like, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to stand out because this is the only way that I get any recognition from the tribe. Yeah. You shouldn't chase that. Chasing the tribe's recognition does make you feel good in the moment. Yeah. It does make you feel recognized. And if your parents aren't around to pay attention to you, it does make you feel better. But it will not replace real friends giving a shit about you. It will not replace you taking the time to get to know your peers get to know where they're from, what they do, what they liked before yoing, uh, what their family's like, what their brother and sisters are like. Like, You need to get to know. This isn't me talking to you. This is me talking to anyone that might hear this one day. You need to get to know people. You need to not be stuck inside your shell like I have been. And you need to feel connected to the other characters in your life. This is not a simulation as much as it feels like it. You can hope that it is. And there's no guarantee that it is. So you might as well get to know the other actors. You might as well get to know their, their likes and dislikes, their pet peeves and otherwise. Anything you can think of. Like, if you know that a certain yoyoer likes this thing and you can show it to them and make them happy, you should do it. Especially if they're a friend of yours. Mm -hmm. And if you 
even if you think it's just a teasing thing and you're going to poke fun at them, do that too. It builds a connection. It builds community. This community doesn't really have that right now. Mm. It, it, it kind of has bits and pieces of it. It's left over from the old days, from the farm days. Um, but ever since Instagram and TikTok t- took over, it really feels disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, Angelo kind of has a community around him. Yeah. You could dive into his comments and maybe feel connected. Uh, you might be able to dive into YouTube comments found around Yo-Yo Factory. You might feel connected. Um, There's a bunch arc. of potentially. There's people in, yeah, discourse. There's people in Europe that have done a very good job facilitating a community feeling. Those ones would be great. Yeah. And there, there's several US-based discords like Yo Tricks and Yo Yo Expert and uh, R slash Throwers. They have community discords where if you want to get a community to dive into, you can find them. But... <laughs> <laughs> You get chased out of a lot of those communities. You say the wrong thing and people are like, you're a fucking outsider. Get the fuck out. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, great. I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to grow the industry. My bad. Or perhaps give a different idea to, <laughs> to you guys instead of being a constant echo chamber of one thing. Well, it's mostly teenagers in there, yeah. which is in its own right, its own thing. It's a teenager chat room has its vibe. And I've been a big proponent of those chat rooms in the past when I was a teenager. I get it. But when you're new to yo-yoing and you want to learn how to like do a throwdown or how to bind and you go into one of those chat rooms and a bunch of 12-year-olds give you shit, you quit. Yeah. <laughs> like you're you know, you're like, you know what, people are gonna be an asshole. Fuck these people, I'm done. <laughs> so but what could There's, really be done to help that? <laughs> you'd have to, like, you'd have the weirdos like me or Yo Tricks that are making tutorials and helping they find you first. Yeah, that's true. At this point in life, to go away to attract people into the community and teach them right. If I wasn't so. I don't know if it's depressed, just anxious, or what the hell it is. If it, if I didn't have to deal with whatever it is that's broken in my head right now, I, I would have a local yo-yo club. We'd have a weekly meeting. We'd be learning tricks. We'd be making up our own trick that you had to do to prove you were in the local yo-yo club. Like we would have badges and shirts, and and then. We would take that system and be like, hey, you want to do this where you're at over in Oklahoma or in Arkansas or wherever the hell? Do it. Because yeah. the rising shot, the rising tide raises all ships. Like, like my ultimate goal is let's make a club kind of like those old school Duncan clubs where you get badges for proving you can do shit, kind of mm-hmm. like a black belt in martial arts. Like you feel like you've earned something. I want to hand out badges to people. Let me throw an idea. You know how to do walk the dog. You can do sleeper. You can do two-hand loop. Let me let me throw an idea at you. I had the other day before I went to sleep is something like that, that as you progress. So everybody starts with a white string 
And then just like the karate belts, the next level is like a yellow string. And then the next level is like a green and then a purple. And then eventually you get to the black string and you can only use the, you can only use the level that you're at and below, but not above or else, <laughs> or else ever, it's like a massive faux pas in the club. Like, I just think that kind of stuff it's a faux pas. would be, because that's the kind of stuff that matters to you when you're a kid. And this at the end of the day is a kid's game, yeah. uh, at least for the people getting yeah. into it. And that's like, Especially the people that care about it. Yeah. People that really care. I, if I could if I could push that. Adults can care about things that really only should, kids could care about. I think we should care about yayas. In the same way that some adults really care about casting pottery and firing little unicorns for girls to paint out of clay like there's people out there that do things that don't really make sense but they do it because there's a there's a group that really needs it to happen for me i really love the idea of some kind of yo-yo belt system whether it be the strings you progress through or a badge system that you earn based on the old day Duncan thing or maybe we could use modern NFTs like we could take NFTs and be like hey what's your wallet you can do walk the dog here's your NFT it it wouldn't even cost you money you just airdrop it to them like okay so I know people really there there's a visceral divide between people who like it and don't like it I got into it I really think we could use NFTs as a badge system for yo-yos and we could just hand out badges to kids and they would think it's cool because all their friends would think it's cool because all their friends give a shit about it. We're old and what, who gives a shit about our opinion because we're only getting into our thirties. We feel young, mm-hmm. but the kids don't give a shit. My five and seven year old, really want to impress their peers yeah they're not going to care what i think and they're going to want the badge that age yeah they're going to pull out their smartphone and be like look my dad gave me walk the dog rock the baby around the world if you want it you can only get it from me because i have the rights on my token show me i really like this is a dumb thing that maybe we shouldn't publish (laughs) nft NFTs give you the ability to kind of gatekeep things, which is shitty and cool in the same way. We could really use NFTs as this martial arts badge system, like show me Walk the Dog. Cool. Here's your Walk the Dog NFT. Show me Rock the Baby. Great. Here's your Rock the Baby. If you receive any of those, you can award them to other people. Now the children can go, show me Walk the Dog. Great. Here's yours. Show me walk the baby, or show me rock the baby. Here's yours. And instead of us having to live forever and prove that someone did rock the baby or walk the dog or whatever, now the children can do it. The only issue I can think of is it gets uh, manipulated by bad actors who are just going to hand it off to people. Like maybe it becomes worth money or something because that's an issue right now. Yeah. 
my thought on how to avoid that is if the group of people who also have been awarded walk the dog, rock the baby, forward pass, shoot the moon, whatever the token is, if they say that person's a liar, that person does not deserve it, and this person lied that they deserved it, then the person that lied gets their token taken away until they prove it again, yeah. and the other person doesn't get it. So it's like a community reinforcing thing, and it grows without us. And if I die or you die, people still learn the tricks properly. And if anyone lies, they get their ass kicked out <laughs> until they prove it again. So like, it's possible with all the technology that is currently available, we could do this right now. The, the only thing I can think of is one broadband internet access. Um, though if people don't have that, yeah. it's unlikely they'll fall into yo-yoing anyway. Um, uh, which well, do you need to have it to learn the tricks these days? Oh, that's a but good. Question. Could I don't know. we? So, like, a lot of these projects like to take the money that they raise from selling their tokens and use it to invest in things. Could could the project invest in like Starlink satellites? Elon Musk's <laughs> company and be like, hey. You're a yo-yoer over in this country that doesn't have access to internet. If you, you get 10 yo-yoers in your country, we'll send you an internet beacon. Like, we could do stuff like that. It's 150 bucks a month to buy internet connection. And it's a little dish that you set down on the ground. It's not fancy. Yeah. And then they also get all the other benefits of the internet. <laughs> Being connected to the rest of the free world. I think there's like, so much. I, I really think that we should use yo-yoing to bootload maybe democracy, if not just education to the rest of the world. Because <laughs> it would be really easy. You... But so so the closest thing I could think of to that NFT thing is the Yotrix app with their XP system. I think that's they're interested in NFTs too. Are they? I've been chasing them. I've been going, hey, you have a point system. NFTs has a token called an ERC-20 where you can make like your own quote unquote token. That you, it, it's, like a, it's like a Chuck E. Cheese token. You hand them out and people can trade them in for rewards and stuff. Why can't Yotrix just hand out? Like when you get a thousand experience points, you get a thousand tokens and you could trade it in for a yo-yo or you could trade it in for a shirt or you get a badge that you use in discord and people recognize that oh wow this guy really knows his shit in yo-yoing for the month or whatever yeah. like there's a lot of cool things we could do with it that the environmentalist i don't know what you call them like they're almost environmental extremists they're so afraid of the technology that it's keeping us from doing really cool shit with it. Like the more I've learned about the energy impact of Ethereum and Bitcoin makes me feel really disappointed in all of the yoers that talk shit on it. They act like it's this end of the world phenomenon. And then you go look at how much energy it actually uses compared to like how much energy it costs to make t-shirts, how much energy it costs to make a canvas. Yeah. Nothing compared to making an NFT. It's nothing. You want to make a canvas for traditional art these people are so gung-ho for? That 
that's a lot. That's a, that's a strain on the system. You have to cut down trees. You have to process trees. You have to make cellulose. You have to process fibers in the strings and make them. You have to weave them together and make a canvas and like mm-hmm. coat it in some Carbon. kind of <laughs> texture that you mine from the ground. And then you, you have, have to ship it, sh- which costs a bunch of fuel. Like there's, there's so many things that they don't give a crap about. They don't care. They want to paint their canvas and they want to say that this digital thing is bad. The digital thing uses less of the environment than their stuff, but it's wrong for some reason. I don't get it. (laughs) So there's another reason why I'm off quietly in my corner, not talking to anyone because the rest of humanity is acting like this is a bad thing. And I'm sitting over here thinking, okay, well, a canvas cuts down trees, mines minerals from the ground to create the, I don't even know the name of the shit that you stick on the canvas so that you can paint it. But the stuff that you stick on the canvas, it's a mineral-based thing. Is that what it is? Gauche, gauche, gauche. I don't even know what it is. But yeah, it's something like that. And it's like a (laughs) If you're Bob Ross, liquid white. He always is talking about like silicone and calcium. Uh, It it and it comes from the earth, and it requires mining, and it requires people from Africa, the people that we're trying to protect, to go into pit mines and dig shit up. It's like okay, if you actually gave a shit, you wouldn't be talking crap about this energy usage to create digital assets. If you actually cared about humanity, you'd care about the people mining the things that make your canvas. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I, I try to get it and I, which is, this is a main reason why I just don't really want to talk to people because it's like, I don't understand how people tick. And I'm afraid I'm going to say something fucking stupid because I'm going to say something that seems logical to me but it's not logical to anyone else. I think I think some of it is the internet came out and I, people used to be less scared to talk and like speak their opinions, but the internet came around and then the assumption is everyone can get the source for everything. But no, people are still fucking idiots. We're a bunch of monkeys. We just happen to have all the knowledge of the universe in our phone, but no one in the whole world can sort through all that and find the actual truth from all of it, especially because of the fact that there's so much misinformation getting fed to us for the explicit reason of trying to lead us the wrong way. And there's Plus, infinite They don't that. want to take the time to do it. Yeah. It but, takes time to sort through it, and no one wants to sort. But we're all scared like, that, that because this, we uh, haven't gotten it, that we don't want to talk about anything because we're scared that people are going to go, oh, they were wrong about this, but I know what's right because I've read the right articles. Right. But (laughs) it's like, like, look at this black thing behind me. You see this black cube right here? Mm. This is about three months of research. I, I sat on YouTube and I learned how plants grow. I learned that you don't need soil to grow them. I spent a fuck ton of time figuring out how you could do it by like drilling holes in containers and spraying the roots with mist and how that all works and like the average human doesn't do that 
Yeah. No one gives a shit about that. They they want to go to the grocery store and they want to buy their food. They want to go to YouTube and figure out how you do it. They don't want to figure out on their own. And then there's people like you and me who are actually curious about the depth of reality. Mm. We want to know about how everything works. I don't know about you, but it's very disillusioning to me. It's okay. It's not disillusioning to me to find out that people don't really care. Mm. It's kind of sad to find out people don't really care. I wish other people cared. I wish that I knew what it took to bootload to bootload caring into other humans. Like, if I could give anything, I want everyone else on this planet to have the exact same ideas of like how math works, how physics works, how chemistry works, how atoms work together, that kind of shit. If everybody just was at the same point. It's insane to imagine where we could go in a short period of time. Let me but throw, because we're not. Let me throw this at you. Descartes yeah. is a brilliant, was a brilliant philosopher who like got into the nature of, of what reality even is and like, mm-hmm. he, 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 and like what, what consciousness is and how, how we know that we even exist like he got into all that but also all of his philosophy relied on and he also created six proofs for the proof or six proofs for the existence of god and so i think that you do need a little bit of everything to have a fully functional society because if you don't have a descartes who's a brilliant thinker and needs to rely on God to create his brilliant thoughts, then you miss out on all of that incredible thinking that he was able to do. And I don't, I don't mind if that has to happen. I had a friend, I have a friend, he's still around. Um, I was working at at my old job um, and he's a, a, a conservative Christian and I'm a very liberal Jew. And we both went to high school together. We both went to college together. We've had very similar paths. We were on the same robotics team. He's been to some of my improv shows. He's super funny. He actually drew the crew logo. Um, it was it was all created by um, by the people in the crew, but ultimately uh, Carter wasn't able to digitize it. And I was actually going to go to you, but then I realized that, um, to at least ask you, but then I realized that Chris is really good at... Um, at procreate and i was like hey do you want to make this for me and he, he was like oh yeah absolutely he's very supportive and he really liked the fundraiser anyway but he's a conservative christian that's just who he is and we've had really deep really interesting conversations about uh philosophy and about different hot topics like when roe v wade uh got messed with in the supreme court we had a really yeah. interesting conversation there um, and both of us know that we <laughs> but we were able to talk and we know that we're friends and no matter how that conversation goes we knew that we were going to stay friends afterwards and we're still yeah. really good friends and it's I don't even know where I'm going with this he just I, I learned so much more about a religious person's perspective from him even more mm-hmm. there than in, in six months of being in the same office as him 
than I did in like six years of Hebrew school. <laughs> I don't think I learned a damn thing in six years of Hebrew school, except for that I really, really, really don't care about learning to speak Hebrew. Uh, so, so that's just like, that's just something I thought I, I had to throw out there because that's, it, it just, it clicked in with all, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. Cause I, it would be nice if everybody agreed but I think having different perspectives is super important and it would be cool it's if power. everyone the same, but ultimately that's a, that's a utopia and utopias never work. No. Well, like I, I agree with the whole melting pot philosophy where the differences about us is what actually gives us our strength. Like I, I fully agree with that. Um, it's interesting to think about how you have brushed into right-wing, highly conservative philosophies. Like, I don't know how I would have handled that. I feel like I wouldn't have handled that well because I get really emotional about it. Like, I, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. I grew up in a Christian school. They did the thing where they told you the government was out to kill you. Oh, wow. Like, do you remember, did you ever hear about that I kind of shit where they were that. saying... So somewhere 25 years ago, um, the federal government had an issue with a local here in Idaho. Uh, they were making like sawed off guns and stuff. They were starting their own militia and the federal government had to come in and deal with it. And it went bad. And they shot some innocent people. Oh no! So the Christian school I went to decided to use that to teach children that the government was out to kill them. So as a six-year-old, I was hiding under my desk crying, thinking that because the government didn't believe in God, this was the end of the world and I was going to die. My parents pulled me out of Christian school at that point because they were disgusted with what had occurred. And obviously any parent, that thinks their children have been traumatized by that bullshit would pull them out. But that has stayed with me since then. So like hearing about you brushing up against other people trying to use religious stuff to justify their actions and knowing how it was used against me as a child, it's... Yeah. Like, I get it. I, I understand that we are in for the entirety of our lives, some weird propaganda, information warfare, like you just kind of get dropped into it and you kind of have to figure it out. And hopefully you figure out the right thing so you're remembered right by history. I don't feel like I had the most wonderful start. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope that I can recover from it and that I can do my best to leave a positive impact on history and to take everything that I've learned. Like, I don't know, like most people in my situation would become pretty hard right wing white nationalist kind of people. Mm. Like I, I see that as the path for mm. someone who was born in my situation. I think it was just really lucky that someone assigned me Darwin's book in junior high and that broke shit for me. And now I'm like 
suppressing the hell out of that for my children. I want them to know everything that I think is real. I want them to know everything that I think can be validated by science. Mm. I have gone back and I'm starting to learn mathematics. Like I'm going out of my way to understand, look, we're lucky that we're these weird gravitational beings at the bottom of a gravitational well that so happened to be able to naturally select towards existing right now. That's not reality based on everything I've been learning. This is a weird, we think this is reality situation. We think we're the animals at the bottom of the gravity well. There's something else going on here. 80% of mathematics account for things that doesn't make sense to our brains. And that makes me think that maybe we're the outliers and most of what we think is reality isn't. And so I really want to learn about that other shit. And I want to teach my children about that other shit. Which is why I'm hesitant to talk about yo-yoing. Because <laughs> it, it feels like a distraction from things that I think are important. Though, if you make your own meaning, ultimately. But any topic can bring meaning to people. Yo-yoing can be meditative. It has gotten me through some of the worst times of my life. Yeah. The people I had to go through. I think that yo-yoing is just, and it's something I wanted to say earlier. It It's that it itself is as important as all those like science and math and all the things that society thinks is super important, um, which just as an example of that, uh, my friend Elliot, who just represented he's like a massively successful magician he just represented the u.s at fism which is the olympics of magic he's the equivalent of an olympian but as a magician we went to to college together and he's an incredible stage magician and he keeps telling me like damn i want to quit magic and get into engineering and then i'm over right. here doing engineering and i'm like God, I want to. I want to get into magic more. I want to be a professional magician one day. Like, I want to get financial stability and then become a magician. And it's like, because in my head, those things that connect people to their past, um, and having that that through line of like for me and my my Instagram page of yo-yoing has been there forever, and magic has been there even longer. And magic connects me to my grandpa, who I used to sit with, who, by the way, got his first magic trick, the invisible deck from Disneyland, just like how you got Tarbell from Epcot. Uh, but he yeah. got my uncle Steve's like 15th or 10th birthday or something uh, at Disneyland. Anyway, um, uh, so that's just an interesting connection. Um, so magic connects me to him and he taught me magic and yo-yoing connects me to like all my friends, my friend Julian, um, who used to live across the street and now my current roommate is like is like she used to hang out with me and Julian when we were younger at Hebrew school like like there's this amazing through line and Julian and I used to yo-yo together at the Redondo Beach Pier with like Anthony Rojas and, and Alex Atori and like all those people which I've talked about before on the podcast but like yeah. I think that yo-yoing no matter how much shit is going on in your life posting a video or making a yo-yo or doing whatever it is that's praying at the altar of yo-yoing for you in that moment 
is like it's a through line and it's a, a a thing that you can just sit down and not it's like a zen garden that you can go and just rake and yeah but it keeps growing every time you play with it and it, it gets bigger and becomes a more impressive zen garden and suddenly you have a zen universe that you can go into and explore yeah. and play with and so like that's part of what i love about it and that's why i think it's so important and that's why i think it is as important as all those other things of science and you know all the shit that elon musk is doing and trying to escape to mars or whatever like i was working on satellites a year ago and fuck that it was dumb it was really boring i was working at raytheon on satellites that do like weather stuff and protect the u.s from missile strikes I hope I don't actually know what I was working on because I didn't ever get my clear quit before that. I didn't want the government breathing down my neck. Uh, anyway, uh, like that stuff is really boring. It's really, really boring work. And the, the end of it is cool, but I was like, screw this. I want to do something that's like meaningful to people and helps people have a distraction from all the craziness. Cause there is so much craziness and yo-yoing and oh yeah oh yeah so anyway that's that's just that's what all that stuff you're telling me was making me think about is that the yo-yoing is super important and like i don't know don't don't think that you never contributed because your videos are so inspirational man (laughs) they're so important It's very easy. Like, I don't know. I'm sure there's other people that make videos out there that may need, may have thought this, may need to think about this. I, myself, make videos on a regular basis, mostly because I know I crave attention from the group. And I think, okay, what's the best way to get attention from the group? But it's not like stupid i'm not gonna go out of my way to do something dumb to get attention i'm gonna make up a trick i'm gonna try to make something unique and interesting and compelling then at least when i get the attention i can feel good about it so i I try to do that and then a couple years goes by and i learn about like stoicism and ego and minimalism and why I'm doing the things I'm doing yeah. and where I, where I could be focusing my efforts better <laughs> yeah. in comparison to where I've been focusing. It's like, I'm doing all of this for attention. Uh, for as far as I'm concerned, that's not great, but I could take the stuff that I'm using for attention to teach other people leadership skills or how to mm-hmm. teach people or... Uh, You could create a profit for a company and create a job revenue for 10 people or whatever. I'm getting struck. I'm getting stuck on it. No, you're good. I've always, I look at at the big companies around. I'm going like, you're the Abercrombie and Fitch of (laughs) yo-yoing. Like, you're the fad. You're you're the, the only reason people like you is because you're popular. Like, yeah. I remember that vividly from when I was a little kid. Yeah. When I was a teenager, you would look at it was mainly Antio, Yo-Yo Jam, and Yo-Yo Factory. They had just kind of all taken off. 
and they were the popular brands and because they were the popular brands didn't want to touch anti-yo <laughs> the other ones have all died and <laughs> and anti-yo right. yeah. is just kind of like around because the owners decided to bring it back Oh, like God. that could have easily just I'm disappeared kidding. too. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's like, that's kind of right. relevant. <laughs> well, like Yo-Yo Jam would still be here if the owner decided to do yo-yos instead of air conditioning systems or whatever it was. Yeah. And Yo-Yo Factory is still here. Mm-hmm. But if you watch their live streams or any of the content, it feels really hollow compared to how it used to feel. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just the the spirit of the company has disappeared when i was participating in the fast challenge um when i was at worlds and they just brought out the 401k or whatever it was the one with the dial in it where you could adjust the responsiveness and it was like everybody was talking about it they had like a life to their company at that point in the same way that yo-yo jam used to Mm. that has since gone and i maybe it's just because i have become a dad and i'm focused on my kids and i'm not really paying attention or maybe it's just the fact of the matter i don't really feel that in the industry right now i don't feel a i think there's not any more a company-based mindset because it used to be all based around like if you were sponsored by coyw for a while you were a god like i'd be so scared to approach andrew mater i didn't even know andrew's tricks i just i'd see him at a contest and i go "Eh, i'm gonna walk the other way because i don't even want to be around him because i know i'm not worthy and i think now and I i didn't even know andrew i didn't know any of his work um, I still barely know Andrew. I just know he inspired Justin Dower a lot uh, because I know Justin. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, when the I think the shift has turned into uh, now the salesmen of yo-yos aren't companies, it's individuals. It's Evan, it's Gentry, it's Angelo, it's Hunter, it's Betty, it's all the, all the people who are on TikTok with millions of followers. And now they... Mm-hmm are the community and they're the faces of yo-yoing and so that spirit of like edits is gone and probably won't come back because now the focus is yo-yoing is gentry and evan and brandon and angelo and hunter and and betty i can't list them all but um and soon lucas can bring it back yeah so it's like I think that that's the shift that happened and it sure feels like that spirit's not with the company, but now it's just that Yo-Yo Factory is a fulfillment center that fulfills the Yo-Yo sold by all those TikTokers. Similar, um, in a separate industry, there was a similar transition. In the video game Let's Play industry, where they recorded video games as groups and they would just make fun things. You could pre-record it, edit it, and post it, and that was great. And then Twitch came along and mm-hmm. everybody wanted you to live stream and be good live. The companies that I followed that used to do it the old way have tra- transitioned to live streaming and being good live. And if they didn't, they died. Yeah. I feel like the industry has done a similar thing. I do think 
if we really wanted to, we being a, a really focused group of individuals, it would have to be on purpose. We could direct the industry. We could do things with it. We could create our own badge system and award people badges and build that up and make that be the thing that people are excited about. And then, yeah, sure, someone does a, a helix bind on TikTok, but who gives a shit? Because that's easy and everybody does that for clout. Like you can make it be the thing that's like, yeah, but everybody just does that. People just do that to get popular. Like you can make it the faux pas. <laughs> it's very easy to make things a faux pas. I've been made the faux pas. So. <laughs> and I, th- I, I think that there's nothing wrong. I think we can do stuff. I think there's nothing wrong with a dynamic that pits yo-yoers against each other theatrically. Because I mm-hmm. have nothing against Gentry or Angelo or Betty or any of the TikTok yo-yoers. I think that what they're doing is awesome. They're inspiring the next yeah. generation for sure. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that also, I mean, you got 50,000 followers on TikTok. I'm sure that you also did. Um, and At one point, I was super excited about it. Yeah. Now that I only get 100 likes per video, I'm a little confused. <laughs> Something happened. Yeah. I like broke a TikTok rule or something. I don't know what happened. Oh, I broke a TikTok rule. I balanced a knife on my face by the point and this was like two days ago. It was about to go viral like another video I made did and then yeah. I got a community guideline violation. It's my second one. I just posted a video that should have gone viral. I could tell by the like to view ratio and it's only gotten 100 views because TikTok's not showing it to people. So I blocked it. Yeah, I got shadow banned. Um, but but I, 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 I'm thinking I might give it some time. It's still something I'm thinking about. But uh, God, I totally forget what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, oh, it's that if in the bio of those TikTok, if we think about them like the, like the traffic acquisition system that just gets traffic into whatever link we have, and then we take that link, which is, this is basically what Yo-Yo Factory is doing. They sell people a starter pack and then they sell them a, 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 a DV888 like they've been doing for the last 20 years. And then they sell them on the rest of their lineup that they, they build them up through that. But if we give them tricks and like a really good set and we try to get them to build a community and we make it so that every person who comes through has a higher percent chance of becoming a community leader and getting their friends into it, then that would not only be uh, like a feasible business, but I think it would also be better for the yo-yoers because they'd be learning together. Everybody knows that the most successful yo-yoers have a yo-yo buddy that they grew up with, like a, a disproportionate amount of people who have asked about their backstory, have had a friend that they grew up yo-yoing with, me included, and all of the kids that I knew at the kite shop, Ty Goldman, Sam Schulman, uh, I could just go through the list, Alex Atori, like we all had kids that we knew growing up yo-yoing with. And so that I think would give kids a better chance than if they just go and pick up a yo-yo because their parents can afford it. Yeah. I so think always construction system out there. I, I agree with that. Having a buddy definitely motivates you to continue with it. Yeah. My friend having the yo-yo made me want to kick his ass <laughs> so <laughs> i definitely remember that but 
at a certain point, everybody kind of gave up on it because I, I don't know. I think yo-yoers tend to be ADD or ADHD or something. We hyper obsess on it mm-hmm. and we self-select the hobby. And so suddenly it went from being my friends knowing how to do trapeze to me knowing how to do like black hops and Quijibo and spirit bomb and all this stuff that they couldn't even possibly do at the time. And I did it within like weeks and I don't know. Maybe I, I think I was just really lucky with that kind of thing, but it definitely helps to have people around you. In my case, having them around me motivated me to work harder because this was for once some situation where I could stand out from my peers. Um, otherwise, it was like, I don't know how I could stand out. I could maybe do basketball. I could maybe get good at poetry. I don't know. Yo-yoing was like this. It came out of nowhere, perfect situation for me to feel like I mattered and also create things that other people seem to think mattered. It, it was a really, it was and has been a really strange and intriguing hobby. Just that idea of I could make up whatever I want. And for some reason, people think it's cool. Mm-hmm. That has been the weirdest sensation for me because I spent most of my life wanting to be accepted and all of a sudden I can just do whatever the hell I want and people accept it. Yeah. And now it's too easy. And now it's like causing depression. <laughs> it's really weird. Did you know like, you I, can... I, I can stand here mm-hmm. and I can make up a trick and it'll get 500 likes. Yeah. And that makes my ego go, yay, whoop to do. And then five minutes later, I'm like, okay, well, when the sun expands and the earth gets engulfed and everybody dies, what have you fucking done? Like, then I get on into that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, thanks. I made up a trick. Who gives a shit? <laughs> well, that's where you need to get in the perspective of like human joy has a value in that moment. Yeah. And I think that. And I can show someone... it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... But creating that that joy for someone is a valuable thing. And I at this point I know I can make a I can do another thing with the windmill move and people will go. I mean at this point, people don't even care about that move anymore because I made it like three years ago. And that was like the first move that I made that people were like, whoa, he's got some good shit. And now I like now I actually have to try harder to make more new shit for people to get interested. But um but now it's just something you do now it's just a thing that i do now it's just one more trick that i do like it's a part of what makes you you yeah now people instead of saying oh you do tech they say oh you do big movements yeah for me they go wow you're so flowy and i'm like i want to do tech shut up (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I'm trying to learn oh. how to do tech. Did I tell you about what I'm trying to do? No, I'm trying to fuck up the whole contest scene um, by, I mean, it's not really going to make any impact, but I want to just show people that contests don't matter, even though I know a lot of them already know that. 
Um, I'm trying to get as high as I possibly can in prelims and semifinals, which I have to learn how to become a competitor first. So I'm like gonna take classes with Gentry and like Evan and like just learn the shit that I need to do to do really good in prelims and finals and practice like crazy. And then next nationals, I'm gonna do my best to place as high as I can in prelims and and semis, and then in finals do a choreographed flow routine that scores as low as humanly possible. <laughs> That's my old no string hits, maybe even do a whip that doesn't land. Like that's what I want to do. That's what I think matters right now. <laughs> that would be fun. Do you um do you remember Elephark? He used to do stuff like that with 5A. Oh really? Gotta... He would do the like you would throw the counterweight around and then grab it. And he would do the things where it looked cool. But obviously wasn't a point because it's not touching anything or tapping anything. Um, he would do things like what you're describing, but with five A, not with one A. Mm. So it would be a little bit different. But I think that you would enjoy checking out some of Elephark. His name is uh, given name is Jacob Jensen. Um, for a long time, he was sponsored by Word. I think he may have been sponsored by OneDrop for a short while, but for the most of the time it was Word. And he just did, he kind of did what I did where you set up the camera, you record till you hit something insane, mm -hmm. you edit it down to that one trick and you post that. That's what I And did. he just kind of became known for insane stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh Takahiro Izuka kind of stuff. I think that's the right name. A uh, black, black oh, yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. Um just insane things where it's like, okay, it's hard enough that you did that, but you did that in a row and then you went back from it. Mm -hmm. Like adding complexity to it. He he was is great at that as far as I know he still is. <laughs> He's over in uh, La Grande, Oregon, pretty close to Tri-Cities, Washington, Oregon area. Okay. Um, as far as I would can, I would say he's like the old in the old guard of yo-yoing. He's the 2000 to 2007 range of yo-yoers. Went to every contest, competed at worlds, nationals, regionals ranked pretty high, got sponsored. I don't know. I don't know exactly why he stopped yo-yoing, or isn't obvious anymore, but was one of those people where it was like, yeah, this guy could win worlds one day, and he just disappeared. <laughs> Man. Like, one of those people where they do a triple slack, like, they... They line up a chopstick, they line up another chopstick, they undercut it. There's three chopstick things sitting there, and then they go, poof, and then they catch all three of them perfectly and then do a crazy dismount, and oh. it's all incorporated. Yeah. He's he's that kind of person yeah. that does insane things, and you're just like, okay, where the fuck did you go? <laughs> what the hell? Like, you're supposed to be winning of... worlds right now. Like those, uh, very, very similar to Yano's Slack stuff, but 
I think his, as far as Jensen, Jensen, I have to get the right name right. Uh, Jacob Jensen. As far as Jacob Jensen's tricks goes, they were the kind of things where the trick performer had this idea that if I did such and such, I could potentially land a really hard trick. Mm. So they would like cue up the trick, throw it 50 times and hope that they landed it once for the camera. And then they'd publish the nice landing. Yeah. It, it felt like a lot of his stuff kind of felt, fell into that category, which I think is fine. Cause that's kind of what I do at this point. Yeah. But he just disappeared at one point and it was like, here's this person that you really look up to. They're doing insanely hard tricks that you can't even really fathom. Mm -hmm. Where'd they go? Why'd they go? And then as myself, I mentioned earlier, I'm thinking about how people perceive the things I put out and the way I put things out and that kind of thing. Like the story that comes along with the content that gets shoved out. I'm thinking of that and thinking, okay, I don't want people to wonder where the hell I went if I ever disappear. Like, how do I mitigate that? And do I even need to? Like, do I, do I owe that to other humans? Or is it just accepted that at a certain point you just move on with your life? Yeah. I still think I owe it to the other humans. I feel like the alien has given me a lot. And... I mean, it's offered me job. Like, yo-yoing itself hasn't given me jobs. But the fact that I was able to yo-yo and impress interviewers and stuff has created situations where they favored me over other applicants and I got jobs, things like that. I feel like I owe it to yo-yoing to kind of perpetuate it a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. But I also get stuck on that weird, I should be doing more for humanity thing. So. Yeah man tough. these are tough questions and there's not really it's very easy <laughs> yeah i don't think there's a good answer for it i think it's don't judge yourself so harshly yeah. i think it's do what you can to make yourself happy do what you can to improve the lives of others uh, any of those things that are floating around your head that say you're not good enough were probably put there by other people mm-hmm on accident like it might be a grandparent that was worried that you might not be able to support your family in the future so they said something that stuck with you like i think a lot of it's that yeah i i hope a lot of it's that but none of us truly know if we're on the right path until it's over and even then you don't there's no guarantee that you'll know because yeah. you might not get any you, you may not get any insight after the fact. It might yeah. just be that other people decide that you did a good job after the fact, but you never actually know. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep on trying. I became an example to people that I was trying to impress yeah. when I was trying to just understand and I just wanted to be accepted by strangers. I just moved to a new city. I was a small town boy. I just moved to a big city. I wanted friends. I didn't want to be 
singled out and treated like shit. I wanted to feel accepted. Yeah. I yeah, great. I said something stupid. The he could have taken me aside and explained in private, look, I get you're from a small town, yeah. but people don't like that over here. And if you keep talking like that, you're gonna lose your friends. Yeah. Like if he had just done that, which is, is not in his responsibility to do, and I get that, but if someone would have been nice enough to like give me the olive branch and teach me the right ways, it would have saved me five years of being really angry at someone who was in the right. Yeah. And was trying to all things considered. <laughs> yeah. He was taking a good stand. Like that's that probably took a lot of courage on his part to do, and I get that. Yeah. I just really wish he would have done a better job at bringing me on board, I suppose. Because, <laughs> like, I, I felt like an outsider my entire life. <laughs> I know what it feels like. I'm the first person that would love to make other people feel accepted. I really wish that he would have tried a little bit harder in that situation. Yeah. And it's strange because you want there's there's a desire for acceptance on on both sides there that you were doing what you thought would help you to fit in, which it did not because that's no obviously would have um but but you were new in a new situation wanting to fit in and that's something that queer people feel all the time as being out of their element in a place they don't feel like they belong and just wanting to fit in. And so it's yeah. it's a it's a strange it's a strange thing, and I'm not saying don't stand up for. It's almost a poetic justice. situation. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. Um, the the other thing on on pronouns because you mentioned that earlier, and I think it's 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 such an important issue that I think people realize that uh that the lack of respect for people's pronouns, which has come up in the yo-yo community. Um, if you remember the unpopular yo-yo opinions page, they're actually still posting, even though they said they were going to shut down, which the guy who's running it is 13, by the way. Um, so like, he's still got a lot to learn in the world. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a, like, I, I'd never advocate for someone being forced to use someone's preferred pronouns. But that is such a like character flaw if you can't respect somebody enough to to just do something that makes them feel comfortable to me which some people might hear me saying that and go oh he's just virtue signaling but like there's been a lot of times where i'll think someone's cool and then they'll just not refer to someone's pronouns as they want them to be and it's just such a small action and such a small thing and people can go oh it's it's orwellian double speak oh the government's trying to change how we think it's like no just fucking respect somebody's desire like even in the very 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 unlikely chance that this is a societal trend and there's fewer trans people than uh than than uh, than there appears to be which i'm not saying at all that that is but i'm i'm doing devil's advocating because that argument does exist among people who who are against using uh people's preferred pronouns even in that case like you gotta respect the people as they feel at this moment in time with how society is 
because it's how they feel and their feelings in this moment in time in society are their genuine feelings. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in supporting people's feelings and you just want to make people feel bad. And that is a that is a serious character flaw. So that's what I see with with pronouns. And as more trans yoyors come out, which there are trans yoyors who are scared to come out. I know about them. There are some that are even too scared to join the crew because they're scared of getting outed, but I know that they exist and they're out there and I support them if they're listening to this. Uh, but holy shit, please respect people's pronouns. It, 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 it means a lot to those people. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, you just got quiet again. You, you just got quiet again. Reset them. <laughs> I think they died. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're good. I think they might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Your earbuds, that is. I'm not hearing anything. Uh oh. I hear you through the phone microphone. Well. I don't know what to think about those since they're being a butt. I agree with you. I have been following, there's an entertainment group that I've been following for several years. And one of their entertainers decided to go from she to they. And it took the audience a long time to accept it. It took me a long time to accept it because that was a new situation. Like I, I'd never experienced that before and why someone would want that. I'm still really learning why someone would want to go from being a female gender to being a disambiguous anything gender. Mm -hmm. But I do appreciate the fact that if you are a they, there's a lot of baggage that doesn't come along with that. Like... I'm I'm this single dad here. Oh, sorry, my my phone's. You still there? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. This this might be one of those things that we don't share, but I'm the single dad over here. I went through a divorce, and I'm raising two children on my own. And I keep watching single moms post things where they're talking about like single mom empowerment and only mommies can do this together and all this stuff. And I'm sitting over here thinking. Am I the only dad that gives a fuck about my kids? Mm. Am I the only one that wants my daughter to be potty trained, my son to do good in kindergarten, and I'm worried about their mom not screwing them up? Like, usually just see people at work or at contests too. <laughs> Yo-yo tie-in. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're trying to ignore their problems. And everyone's just there doing their thing and they're just, you know, doing small talk. That's crazy. It's been a long time since I went to one. A contest? Yeah, I think the last one I went to is the one you saw me at. Oh, Nationals back then? Yeah, 2012. Wow. Dude. 10 years. That's wild. Yeah. I should probably start trying to head to bed. Yeah. I, I don't know how much of this, if any of it, you'll be able to use for uh, content. 
mostly I just wanted to convey to anyone in the industry that I'm trying to do better <laughs> and I feel completely lost. So well, that's why I have mostly disappeared. I really don't want to I feel like if you have an opportunity to be a voice in any industry, you should do your best to promote and grow it. And I don't feel like I'm there right now, which is why I originally was like, maybe I shouldn't do this interview because I'm just not there. I think most of what you've heard tonight, for the most part, probably isn't consistent with that. I'm still trying to figure out a lot of things. <laughs> and I feel very much lost. If I'm the audience and I listen to what I'm currently intending, or at least considering publishing, which I'll, I'll run it by you before I do. Um, let me actually write down to do that. Uh, run it by mark um i see somebody who's who wants to help the community that's given them so much but is dealing with so much of his own stuff right now that it's just not possible at the moment and that's what i see and i just want to let you know that none of us blame you for that <laughs> and when I think of you I think of you at your absolute best and at your peak zen deep in the moment of yo-yoing and that inspires the living shit out of me <laughs> because you have some incredible yo-yoing and for whatever that's worth which to me it's worth so much because every time I see you pop up on my page it always like it makes me want to go do another trick because it's just been so consistent. And even if it stops one day, there's so much backlog that I can go through and get re-inspired by and stuff that I've seen 10 years ago that I forgot that I saw. And like, don't, man, just take care of your kids. <laughs> like the yo-yo community will be here for you when you come back if you need a break. <laughs> don't ever worry about that. We fucking love you. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I there's a there's a very solid chance that at least my daughter will be into yo-yoing at some point because she really likes watching me do tricks, so she might get into it. I don't think my son will. <laughs> I don't know. I've I've done that thing where I don't want to force my kids to do what I did. Oh, definitely. No, that's the good. That's the right move. All right. Well, as far as uh, interview chat goes, thank you for having me on it, and I hope that there was something insightful and valuable to be brought forward. And if not, maybe we can try again at a future point, and I'll put a little more thought into what I have to say. I, um, I loved this. I genuinely love 
it's been a long time since I got to like connect deeply with someone. This was a really good chat, man. Thank you. Well, I um, as far as actually going to sleep, I am serious. I do need to get some sleep, so but I should I probably go ahead tomorrow. <laughs> I'll see you around, dude. All right. Thank you for chatting with me and hanging out. And I mean, all all the fun aside, it bumping into you at nationals all those years ago has always stood out to me, and I appreciate it. Dude, I will never forget opening up that forte that I won. I don't even remember how I won it, but it made me feel so powerful. Like I felt better throwing that than I felt. I just got some autoscopies. Hajime Miura's signature. I felt more connected to that forte than I than I felt when I started playing those autoscopies. So like awesome. that I love that. I love you so much as a yo-yo dude. I love you so much as a person. You're gonna you're gonna kill it as a dad too. You are killing it as a dad. If you ever need someone to talk to, you know he can reach out. Of course. Thank you, Ross. I hope you have a great night and thank you for your time. Absolutely. And likewise. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.